the presence of your Holy Spirit and those of us who are believers who have a relationship with Jesus Christ know that the Holy Spirit, the promise of Jesus to us was that the Holy Spirit would live in us, that his presence would be with us as we go through life. And thank you for that gift. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives and The promise is is that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, that he would help us to understand the truth of who God the Father is, that he would point us to the Savior, to Jesus Christ, and that he would fill us with the power that's found in God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us because of the Spirit of God. Thank you. Thank you. So now, in the next few moments, as we open the Word of God and we look at it, your promise is that the Spirit of God would illuminate our hearts and that you would make the truth real and alive in us. The promise of Scripture is that the Word of God is alive, that it's powerful, that it cuts even into our hearts. And it convicts us when we're wrong and when there's sin in our life and we need to repent. It encourages us, it builds us up, it makes us more like Jesus Christ, and so we ask that that work would happen in us even now. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for your presence. In your name we pray, amen. So glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our study in the Word of God and we look at Uh, a little more of the whole story. How many of you like to be involved in something that seems like it's headed somewhere? Okay, a lot of you. So how many of you, the rest of you, didn't indicate that, like doing nothing, and you like to be involved in things that aren't going anywhere, and you like to be frustrated uh, by, by not moving and doing anything, right? No, it's not true. We all like to be involved in something that is moving. It's going somewhere. I mean, I... I like this, this building project that we're getting ready and we're doing here. Uh, how many of you look each week hoping that something else has happened, right? Yeah, I do. I'm like, come on, let's, let's keep moving. And, and, and life kind of slows us down sometimes and makes it hard to keep moving. But we, we like to be involved in things that are going somewhere. And also, we like to be involved with people who are going somewhere, don't we? We like to spend time with people who are on the move, people who are making things happen. You like to be around somebody who you don't hear the same thing out of them every time you're with them. You ever get bored of that, right? It's the, their life never changes. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. The stories stay the same. And when you go with them or you spend time with them, you know that you're, it's gonna be a repeat of what it was last time. It gets really old, doesn't it? Been there? Yeah. We like to be on the move. We like to make things happen. Well, what we're looking at today, the book of Acts, is actually the story, and the story, it's the story of the beginning of the church, but you could say this, that it's the book on the move. If you look at our little timeline here, and I, I know you guys have memorized the timeline and you've been looking at it every time you come and you, you study this timeline, but we're this little dash right here after the cross. That's where we are today. 
We're getting ready to start. The, it's the beginning of the church. It's the beginning of what we call in Scripture the church age. And it's this, this, little, this little dash here after the cross. And you'll notice it's not really all that wide. And really the events of the book of Acts are exactly like that. They happen very rapidly. They're very quick. There's a lot of stuff that happens in a short period of time. And there's a massive change, as I talked to you in the book of John, when, when we hit the Gospels and Jesus shows up, we go from an Old Testament law system, and it doesn't mean that all that got thrown out, but Jesus begins to change how we interact with God. And because Jesus Christ came, and he lived a perfect life, and he made a way for us to be made right with God, he was the final sacrifice that was needed. Remember, the Old Testament kept pointing forward saying, there's a sacrifice coming there's a sacrifice coming, there's a sacrifice coming. And Jesus was that sacrifice. And when he completed his work, all of a sudden, major change happened for how people would interact with God. And so all of a sudden, how people worked out their religious experience, let's call it that, changed in Jesus Christ. And we hit the end of the Gospels, the beginning of the book of Acts, and all, all of a sudden, that expression changes even more because Jesus leaves and he promised all the way through the Gospels that when I leave, I'm going to do something that you don't expect. There's going to be another who comes who's just like me, but he's going to be for all of you guys. It's not just going to be me with you. He's going to live in all of you. And if you remember from the Old Testament, he said, he said this, that one just like me, the comforter is going to come. And, and we just sang about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of Jesus to the disciples and those who would become Christ followers is this, that Jesus would come and then he would leave and he would send one just like him to live in them and to empower them and to give them strength. And that's what Jesus does. And we pick up the book of Acts with the beginning of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the church is about to start. And so if you look at the book of Acts and you're reading through the book of Acts, you'll find that the first 12 chapters are really about the ministry of Peter and his beginning of, of his ministry and how he begins preaching the gospel. And then Paul shows up and there's a dramatic event that happens in Paul's life where Paul Actually, he, he, God stops him dramatically on a road and, and Paul is converted and, the, and chapter 13 through 28 is a, an explanation of Paul's life and his ministry and Paul is all about some missionary journeys that take place and, and God had commissioned the disciples and Paul goes throughout the then known world to preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's for chapters 13 through 28. Okay, now we're done. You can leave, right? I just did the book of Acts. No. I want you to catch something in the book of Acts, though, that is actually true for us today. There's a lot of dramatic change. The church starts. There's a lot of very interesting historical things that take place. But I need you to catch something from the book of Acts that often we kind of gloss over as Christ followers. Because... We read scripture in light of what they did, what the author talks about, what happened in their lives. The church back then started. The disciples did all kinds of amazing things. 
but they're really just completing something that Jesus didn't just give them as disciples. He actually gave it to all of it. Let me read it. And I read this verse when we did Matthew. And let me start right there. In Matthew chapter 28, he says it this way. Jesus came near to them and he said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call that the commissioning or the great commission in the Gospels where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, look, I'm going to leave, but I'm giving you a mission and I'm, I'm going to commission you to go and do this incredible mission that I have. Well, that mission, that commissioning wasn't just for the disciples. You see, he gave that mandate to you and to me. If you're a Christ follower here today, that mandate is exactly the same for me and for you as it was for the disciples back at the end of the Gospels. And we hit Acts chapter 1 and we realize that the commissioning is exactly the same for you and for me as it was for the disciples and I need you to understand something. I want to read these verses from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But before I do it, I need you to understand something. The disciples took the commissioning that Jesus gave incredibly serious. Like, they gave their life to this commissioning. This wasn't a suggestion by Jesus, the one who had come and that they, they realized was the Messiah and they spent three years watching him do ministry and, and they hung out with him and they ate meals with him and they enjoyed life with him and he commissioned them and they went, well, you know, if this works out well, I'll do it. But if not, you know, there's other things I could do. Which often for us as Christ followers seems to be our response. If this works out okay, then I'll talk about it. But, but if there's other things, then, well, you know, that's what gets my time and my attention. And these disciples took this so seriously that in the next short period of time, really the next few years, if you read through the book of Acts, they turned the world that they lived in upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ changed the Roman Empire that they lived in. Read history. Go read it for yourself. I love history. I've studied it. They, it changed because of the gospel. They didn't have a quarter of what we have. Do you know how easy it is for you to have the word of God in front of you day in and day out? Most of it hadn't been written yet. Do you, do you know how many avenues that you and I have that we can grab a hold of the word of God and we can pour it into our hearts and our lives? And yet the change is not nearly dramatic, as dramatic in the church as a whole today as it was in the book of Acts. 
It's incredible to me. Satan has done an incredible job at distracting us from the mission. If you read chapter 1, verse 8, the mission stays the exact same, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what we just sang about and we prayed about. And when he has come on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my what? You say it with me. What's the word? Witnesses. You say it with me. You will be my what? Witnesses. What's a witness? A witness is one who tells what's happened or what they saw happen. You want to know one of the reasons that we don't make very good witnesses? It's because we're not really sure what God is doing in us. We're so distracted by life. We're so overcome with all kinds of other stuff. Oh, we're great witnesses to entertainment events. We're great witnesses to good food we ate. I have been guilty of that. We're great witnesses to sports events. We are great witnesses to the weather. Did you know that? Think about how often you check and read the weather. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Because it's still going to happen, whether you check it or not. But we talk about it, we eat it, we sleep it, we, and we're a witness. Think of all the things that we are a witness to. And Jesus said, I want you to be my witness. I want you to be a witness to the greatness of Jesus Christ and what I came to do. And I want you to be my witness in Jerusalem, which is your home, in Judea, which is those next to you, in Samaria, those who aren't like you. That's what that meant, by the way. They didn't like Samarians. And he says, I want you to be a witness to those who are not like you and you don't get along with. And then I want you to be a witness to those you don't even know exist at this point. But I want you to tell them of the greatness of who I am and what I have done in your life. Tell what happened to you. So let me ask the question, what has happened to you? Are you just being a witness to only things that have happened to you? Has God really been that great in your life? Then why doesn't anybody know? Does God really make that much of a change? Has the Holy Spirit really done that much different in your life? You will be my witness. These guys, these disciples have two thoughts for you this morning that I want you to get. Here's number one. These disciples, these followers of Jesus Christ, they were solid, they were hard, they understood completely the message that they were supposed to share. There was no question in their mind about the message. Zero. They had it. They understood it. They know it. Let me show you this from, Peter, uh, from Peter's words in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 41. And Peter replied, this is, he's talking to a group of people that gathered together, and he says this to them. It's, it's his great message. He says, repent 
and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will see, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. His message was simple, and it was clear, and he was solid on what the message was. Guess what the message was? You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and we need a Savior. <laughs> That's the message. I need to be forgiven. I have a sin problem in my life and that sin problem divides me, separates me, pulls me away from the presence of my creator God, the one who wants a relationship with me. My sin stops me from that relationship and there is only one way that that relationship could be made right and that is through the person of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross for me. That's it. That's the only way. And so Peter stands up and he's very clear on the message. The message is you need a savior. Jesus Christ is the savior. Repent, you will be forgiven and your life will change. Let me ask you a question. Are you clear on the message? If you claim to be a Christ follower, Is that message working out in your heart and your life? These guys were crystal clear. They didn't stand up and talk about a hundred other things. They just stood up and said, look, you need a savior. <laughs> you need to be forgiven. And there's only one guy who can do it. His name is Jesus. Turn to him. Repent. John says the same thing. Peter and John say the same thing before the leaders of the day in Acts chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he said to them, rulers and people and elders, if we are being examined today about the good deed done, they had helped a guy, they had healed a guy to this disabled man, by what means he was healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you and he's healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There, Catch this. There is salvation in no one else. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be, what? Saved. Peter and John, they'd been pulled into the leaders because they were doing good on the Sabbath. And they're pulled in and they're like, how in the world do you do this? And what do they do? They don't say, hey, look, we've been filled by the Spirit. We have all kinds of power. Look at what we can do. No, that's not what they say at all. They turn and they say to these guys, look, the reason we did this is because Jesus Christ is the answer and he needed Jesus and you do too. That's it. That's it. Guys, the message is pretty simple. We've confused it and convoluted it and made it about all kinds of other stuff and talk about all kinds... We talk about all kinds of cultural relevant things that really, folks, they don't matter because if Jesus Christ saves me and forgives my sin, he changes my heart and he changes my attitude and he changes how I think. 
and I become a new man. That's what the Bible says, right? He says that we become new creatures in Jesus Christ. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. These guys were solid on the message. The message that everybody needs today. And yes, call me narrow-minded. Call me whatever you want. But folks, the message is the same. It's Christ. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ offered to us because we're sinners and we're helpless without him. That's the message. It hasn't changed. The message of repentance, the payment of our sin, the forgiveness that is offered to us by God through his son, Jesus Christ, is still the same message today as it was back then. No other foundation can anyone lay than already has been laid. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. These are Paul's words from 1 Corinthians. If anyone builds on a foundation with gold or silver or costly stone or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become obvious because at the end, God will reveal it by fire. He will test our works. And I think about all the things that are done in the name of Jesus Christ and they're done in the name of the church that have nothing to do with the message of who Jesus is and forgiveness of sin. The church in North America today has become about social justice and I'm not saying that social justice is bad. We need to care for people. We need to feed people. We need to help people. We need to give them some clothes if they need that. We need to come alongside people and care and be the feet and the hands of Jesus Christ. But folks, if we do not tell them that Jesus Christ is the answer to their sin problem, we missed it completely and we totally failed. And so much of what we're doing in the church today is simply handing out things without ever telling anybody that they need a savior, that someone loves them, that someone has forgiven them. And their guilt can be removed and they can be renewed. The work of the church is not the work of God so often. And these guys were solid on the message. Let me ask you, Christ follower. You solid on the message? You got the message? You've been saved? You've been renewed? Has Jesus changed you? Have you got the message? Is it in your heart? You living it out in your life? You giving it away? They were solid on the message. They had it. Not only were they solid on the message, folks, they were determined. (laughs) These guys were so determined to give away the message. These guys were so sure that this was the answer to whatever you faced in life, that they were willing to do whatever it took to share the message. Look at this in Peter, I mean, in Acts chapter 4, it's Peter again. And Peter and John answered, these are the guys that had hauled them in and asked why they kept preaching. Whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You can't shut us up. 
<laughs> that's what they're saying. It's the Tim Ferriss phrase, but that's what they're saying. They're looking at these guys and they're saying, look, I don't know what you're talking about and I know you want me to stop, but I'm sorry. God changed my life and I can't shut up about it. Is that you? Is that me? God changed my life. God redeemed me. He took away that sin problem that I had and I could do nothing about. I've been forgiven. I've been made right. God showed up this week in my, here's what he, here's the word of God that changed my heart this week. Here's the verse. This is the scripture I was reading. This is what God said to me this, when was the last time that was you? You couldn't shut these guys up. And if you were to wander through the book of Acts and through the epistles, you know what you'd find out about these guys? You'd find out that these disciples were beaten, they were flogged, they were stoned, they were shipwrecked, they were robbed, they were run out of town, they were misrepresented, they were lied about, they were threatened, they were thrown in prison, and they were killed. And they would not stop. Why? Because they were solid on the message and they were determined that this was the only way lives could be changed. That's it. And every time you run into one of these guys who's talking about the message, you know what he would say? I can't stop. I can't stop. I don't care what you do to me. I can't stop. And so often for us folks, we can't even start. We're afraid what someone might think. We're afraid how they might view us. What if I offend them? What if they don't like me anymore? What if I look foolish? And these guys were on the opposite side saying, I hope I look foolish. I hope I offend them because I was offended by the gospel. The sad thing is, folks, that we live in a day and an age where our culture says that it's more important to be politically correct than it is to tell the truth. But what if people won't listen to me? It's different now, Tim. Nobody wants to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, folks. They didn't want to hear that either. <laughs> human heart is the human heart and it hasn't changed and all of us who are sinful by nature, were you offended the first time that somebody told you were, you were a sinner and you needed a savior? I was just a little boy and I was offended. I didn't like to be told that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And I was five years old. Paul and Barnabas were sharing the truth and if you looked at Acts chapter 13, they shared the truth, and when people didn't want to hear it, they shook the dust off their sandals. That was a phrase they used back then. That meant this, that if you don't want to hear it, then I'll move on to the next person who might want to hear it. Our skin is too thin. We're so easily offended. I, I don't want to offend anyone. Folks, if you had a friend who had cancer and you had 
what they needed to be saved from it, would you care about offending them by telling them? No, you wouldn't. They're a friend. If you really love something in life, do you care if you offend somebody when you talk about it too much? I don't. I talk about chocolate all the time. You know, you've heard me. Some of you don't like chocolate. Some of you just don't understand something that's good. And I keep talking about it. Robert doesn't like it, and he just he doesn't get it. And even if I offend him, I keep talking about it. Think about how much more important it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, these guys just kept going. The end of that verse, it says that they shook their feet off, the, the, the dust off their sandals says this, and the disciples were, disciples were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit as they continued to share. They weren't offended by the fact that somebody didn't like it. They are just like, okay, I'm going to tell somebody else. I'll give it away. I'll give it away. See, they just kept going. They were obedient. And because of their obedience, they were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And the world that they lived in, the Roman Empire, the world that they knew in that time was changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us as Christ followers are not very joyous right now. And the reason is, is because we're not very obedient. Disobedience always leads to an unhappy heart. And being obedient is taking what Jesus asked of us, and really he asked us only very few things. He said, love me with all of your heart, and then tell other people that you love me. (laughs) That's about it. The bar is pretty low. And often we struggle in our hearts with being unsatisfied and discontent and unhappy. And the reason isn't because there's all kinds of stuff in life that's making me unhappy. It's because I'm being disobedient as a Christ follower. Are you solid on the message? Are you determined that no matter what, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where God places you, people will know about Jesus. Paul ends up in Rome. I'll finish with this. End of his life. He did three missionary journeys, and he shared Christ everywhere he went. And if you read in 2 Corinthians, you'd find he's one of those guys who says, man, they left me for dead outside the city. They stoned me so much they thought I was dead. That's with rocks, by the way. They beat me. They flogged me. They did everything to me. But I'm headed to Rome because if I can stand in front of Caesar and tell him the gospel of Jesus Christ, think of the difference it would make. And if I offend him, I lose my life. And he says it this way. He says, for me to die is gain. (laughs) If I give up my life for Christ, great, great. It's okay. And he ends up in Rome, and he ends up in a house imprisonment in Rome, and he says it this way in chapter 28. He says, Paul stayed 
for two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him and proclaimed the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Imprisoned. And if you look at Paul's life, you find that every time they grabbed him and they threw chains on him and they imprisoned him, all it did was make him more bold. He just, I'll do it more. Go ahead. What can you do? You can kill me, but I'm just in heaven. So why does it matter? How about us? What's stopping us? We have far more than the disciples had, and maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe because they didn't have as much, they trusted more. I don't know, maybe. I'm not speaking this this morning to make you or to make me guilty. That's not it. If you leave here feeling, I'm sorry, that wasn't my intent. My intent was this. We have this phenomenal message about Jesus Christ that he's the answer. We're living a really, really short life. Acts was that little blip. That's all it was. You're only going to be here for a short time. It's inevitable that we all will die. Actually, Scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die. You are living life with a group of people. God's given them to you. They're your neighbors. They're the people you work with. They're family members. They're friends. They're people that you're going to run into in the next weeks and months. And the only thing God's asking of you is that you show them Jesus. That's it. Show them Jesus. Be determined. Be solid in the message. Don't get off topic. The message is this. This is the gospel. You and I are sinners. All mankind, because of Adam, are sinners, and we need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is the Savior. He went to the cross. He died. He rose again the third day, and he paid the price for your sin and mine. Give it away. Give it away. All authority is given you the same way it was the disciples. Go from here. And tell everybody that you know about Jesus Christ. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. God, make us courageous. You've been so generous to us. Wow. The message is so simple. We add so much to it. We do all kinds of things to make ourselves feel good. And all you asked is that we would share the truth of Jesus Christ so that people could have life. John said it, that they would have life and have it more abundantly. That they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. Father, we're concerned about all kinds of things. We're concerned about social justice and we're concerned about addictions and we're concerned about abuses and we're concerned it's just the list goes on and on and we forget to start at the beginning which is a changed heart it's new life in Jesus Christ and so grant us the courage
to go there first and to encourage people to look to you. God, make us as Christ followers solid on the message and determined to give it away. In your precious name we pray. Amen.